Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spawn on Me podcast. This is episode 52. Uh, this is your host, Cicero Holmes, and I am joined this week and every week with my co-host, my brother, Sharif Jackson of SharifJackson.com. Oh, wait a minute. I was supposed to say Khalif Adams. Oh, wait. Khalif Adams isn't here. He is in GDC. Oh, he is man. on location in San Francisco. So, of course, of course, I brought in my brother uh, of representing the north, north edge of Bricago, the minister of no finance, <laughs> Mr. Sharif Jackson of SharifJackson.com. How are you today, sir? I'm good. Now, how north am I? Am I like at the wall? Of uh, right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. right. Yeah. My north of yes. Winterfell, <laughs> right? Um, yes, you, you might be, you might be. If, oh, if, uh, yeah, I think, I think Winterfell is right, is just around the corner from me. There's a bodega oh, between me, I'm, me and Winterfell. I'm like over here with Jon Snow and all of them. Yeah, and, yeah, and the wildlings. yeah, exactly. Okay, all yes, right. you're, you're, you're near Mole Town. <laughs> <laughs> Milwaukee, Milwaukee might as well be near Mold Town because you want to live under fucking ground. It's so damn cold. It is pretty cold. Um, yeah, oh, although it's supposed to get into the forties tomorrow. I will believe it when I see it, my friend. Exactly, brother. Also, it's a little different because I judge weather by what it is at seven a.m. and what it is at six p.m. Because I don't really leave the office that much. <laughs> like, and like, e- e- even if I leave for lunch, you know, my car is like a a ten second walk from the building so i don't care what the high is <laughs> like i don't care <laughs> how it fluctuates I, I i care about what it's like in the morning in the evening yeah. that's it yeah yeah fair enough that is uh that is definitely really really accurate um for those of you who don't live in the midwest um, you have no idea. Uh, you know, this is a recurring thing. We talk about it all the time, but you have no idea what cold is like uh, until you spend, uh, you know, a couple of winters in, in the Midwest. It is it is out of control. It, it is out of control. Yeah. And um, and like so like I have a um, a 12 year old car. Oh, wow. And so Milwaukee has really been putting that to the test, um, especially this winter. Last winter. I was in an apartment that had like a garage, so I didn't really feel the oh. garage of it. But like right. this winter, like like when like you have to leave that car outside overnight in negative twenty, negative thirty degrees. Yeah. Takes a little while to start in the morning. Yes, sir. And I've definitely had some yes, mornings sir. where I've had to call in like uh <laughs> yeah the car won't start the car said no yeah exactly <laughs> exactly so yes the car said the nay no my brother it is real in the field yo even and 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 the minister of no finance has enough no finance to upgrade my uh, car so <laughs> you know the proper amount of no finance to get a uh, 2015 brand new car so Right on. Well, make sure when you do, you get one with a remote starter. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, actually, it's, it's kind of creepy. Like, I'll be walking through my work parking lot, and all these cars will just be on, but nobody's in them. <laughs> and it feels like... It feels like that. Christine. Yes, I was going to say, it feels like Christine. <laughs> like, I, like, I feel like the lights are going to come on, and one of these cars are like just going to try to run me over. Like, it's some right. video game level... <laughs> Or uh, something like it is creepy, especially in the dead of winter 
when like it got dark at like four thirty. Yeah, like uh, you'd be walking through and just all these engines on, <laughs> right? <laughs> and the lights just pop on as you walk by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yo, yeah, I need to chill with these remote starters, man. Like, like it's creep, creeping the black man out. Yeah, well, you you say chill until you actually get one. Um, I just bought a car <laughs> uh, about a month ago, and um, while I really enjoy my car. It has no Bluetooth, which I didn't know new cars even, you know, it's not, it's really not a new car, but it's new to me. Um, but it's from this decade. So, but I didn't know <laughs> nice. cars came without Bluetooth, but it did yeah. come with, come yeah, with uh, a remote starter. So, yeah, exactly. That is weird. It did come with a remote starter. starter so. No Bluetooth. That yeah, that's weird. Chrysler for you. That's Chrysler. <laughs> they, you know, they will, they will find a way. To uh, pass the savings on to you, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, you know they can sponsor. Hey, they can, they take my payments over. They can sponsor the hell out of this show. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so so I I digress. Um, remote starters are dope. Um, and uh, with my new car, I was able to. Oh, actually, you know what? Before we even start talking about that, let's uh, let's get into some obligatory house cleaning. Um, and say thanks everyone for, uh, listening to the show, uh, listening to last episode with the amazing Adam Sessler. Um, what, what a fucking fantastic show that was. Um, Adam of course was amazing as you guys listened to, uh, you know, Adam, thanks so much. Hopefully you and as we speak, you and Ka are having uh, a couple of beers and talking about <laughs> talking about the uh, show that uh, or the panel that you had to moderate that you didn't know about <laughs> until you were actually on our show. So <laughs> that was an amazing moment. Yeah. Um, so uh, breaking news. I got a text from Cobb earlier today saying that he actually did not moderate that panel. Get so, out of here. Uh, yeah, you know, I th- hey. things happen. But hey, I just hope that Ka and Mr. Sessler are chilling, talking about Gangstar, talking about X-Clan, you know, because only, only Spawn yeah. on me will show you that side of uh, people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. That is that is why we need to be around. As I'm saying, all the Adam Susser that I've listened to and read over the years, I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Thanks. Thanks, everybody who uh, who was sharing the show out. Um, uh, you know, uh, it was it was definitely a big deal for us, uh, obviously, to uh, the little podcast that could to get uh, a juggernaut like like Adam Sessler on the show and, and uh, you know, peek behind the curtain. He is, he is everything that you heard on the show. He's everything that he, you heard on the show. He's everything that you ever saw on television. He is amazing. Um, so, you know, Adam, you're welcome back anytime. Welcome to Bricago. Welcome to Bricago indeed. Um, so uh, now back to uh, segueing back to, um, driving my car, uh, <laughs> I drove my car, uh, this past weekend. We talked about it briefly on, uh, on, on episode 51 with Adam Sessler. Um, I drove my car to the galloping ghost 
arcade for our meet and greet, our first um, podcast team up, as it were, uh, with our sister show, Unconsolable, uh, was myself and Anna Tarko from the Unconsolable podcast hosting people over at the Galloping Ghost Arcade in Brookfield, Illinois. Um, and we had a really nice turnout. Um, I guess at first it was uh, we, we decided we were going to have a meal and kind of get people together and meet and greet at uh, Brixie's, which is a couple of blocks away from the Galloping Ghost uh, Arcade. Uh, shout out to Brixie's really nice craft beer spot, really, you know, really close to there. So if you guys go, um, spoiler alert, you should go, um, (laughs) (laughs) then, uh, you can go to Brixie's, tell them that we sent you and have a couple of craft beers. Um, but, uh, yeah, so the craft beer and eating part portion was, uh, was really, it was actually really intimate. It was myself. Sexy. Yeah, exactly. Myself, Anna Tarkov, uh, her husband, Jim, and uh, shout out to Jim and uh, um, shout out to uh, Roger Robinson Jr., who was on our show, um, who also lives in this household. Uh, he was here, and his dad, Roger Robinson Sr. Ooh, double never, Roger Robinson not, action. Exactly. I, you know, Roger Robinson squared. <laughs> Roger Robinson um, squared. Yeah, who came out, and uh, we all sat and ate. And uh, then after we ate, we went over to Galloping Ghost and uh, all sorts of crazy hilarity and just enjoyment ensued. Met uh, met up with a bunch of different people, uh, friends of mine, uh, you know, and of course, if you're if you're a, a resident of Chicago, you're automatically a friend. It was great to press the flesh with them. And uh, one of the other people that we got to meet was uh, the proprietor of the Galloping Ghost Arcade, uh, Mr. Doc Mack. And I was able to sit down with him for a few minutes. And I've got that interview for you guys right now. So uh, we're going to get right into it. Take a listen. I am here at the Galloping Ghost Arcade in Brookfield, Illinois, with the proprietor, Doc Mack, Doc Mac, how are you today? I am good. I am good. It's you know, so I came I came into the Galloping Ghosts. I've heard about it a lot. Of course, uh our friend, your friend Daniel Kaiser talked about it on our show and uh and you know, I realized, oh man, you know, I really need to get down here. So I grabbed a bunch of people, got uh Anna Tarkov from the Unconsolable podcast, got Tony Nils from from the forty two lounge to come down from Milwaukee, and we're all just here. With I, I don't even know how many square feet of just just arcade heaven. Um, what a wonderful place! What was the inspiration for thank starting you. this place? Um, well, then thank you for for coming out. Um, <laughs> it's a pleasure. The inspiration, honestly, it came from uh, a few years before. I wrote. I came up with our business model a few years before we actually opened the arcade. Uh, we had planned to open an arcade after our game Dark Presence had released. Um, and it was all honestly based on going from any place that we could find that had arcade games. And I had wanted my guys that were working on our game to go play Mortal Kombat out in the wild. And I could not find a working Mortal Kombat 2 machine in the Chicago <laughs> area. And it was so frustrating. So we set up this uh, 
an initiative called uh, Support Your Local Arcades. Okay. And we went around and we asked all these arcades uh, what we could do to help them make their arcade scene, uh, their arcades better. And we started offering free maintenance on their machines. We offered to do websites and hold tournaments. And we uh, helped. uh, There was a website that was just opening up called Orcade.com that tracked what arcades had which games. We would put all their games into a database for that. And we really tried to just... um, just make their arcades better and no one wanted to be a part of this with us (laughs) and we went to about 80 locations from like movie theaters and laundromats and pool halls and actual arcades and we're like we want to we want to make your arcade better and nobody really wanted to do that and it was such a it was just frustrating and we have our arcade game coming out we wanted there to be a resurgence in arcades it was it's always for me i've i grew up playing in arcades and for there not to be one that i could take the rest of the guys on my staff to it was very frustrating so that was the mindset behind the business plan sure and the way we ended up opening it was a very quick process um just everything really seemed to line up like we got uh, our first batch of games uh, just popped up on Craigslist. It was 114 machines out in Iowa. Wow. And uh, just everything lined up, and we opened it uh, back in August 13th of 2010. At this location? At this location. Wow, wow, wow. And and now here we are almost five years later. Yep. And how many, what's what's the square footage and how many cabinets do you have? Uh, we are, the main floor is uh, just under 8,000 square feet. Wow. Um, we just put up our 449th game earlier today. <laughs> As we speak, there's another cabinet on the way to being delivered here today. Wow. So we might have 450 before the day is out. Oh my goodness. What's, <laughs> what's, what's game 450 possibly? I am actually keeping that a secret. We have a a big tournament coming up called the T20. Uh Um, And I'm not 100% sure that's going to be, that might be released for that tournament as a surprise. Okay, all right. Well, well, you got it. We'll we'll, we'll, we'll stay tuned. And we'll we'll try and we'll try and get to to see what what uh, what that is later on. <laughs> so um, you've got four hundred and forty nine cabinets. Clearly, this is one of the largest, if not the largest, arcade in the world. Yes, actually, we are uh, working out right now with Walter Day, um, who is from Twin Galaxies fame. He right. is the guy who really invented scoring on arcade games um he is coming to our t20 event uh with guinness to announce us as the largest arcade in the world congratulations man that's that's it's it's impressive i'm in there and it's (laughs) it's unbelievable and one of one of the things that's really great about your arcade and you know so far that i've seen is that on every cabinet is a scorecard with the in-house record and the world record. And for many of the cards that I've seen, those scores and the names are identical. So many people come here to set world records in, in, in the games. We get a lot of people that literally travel in from all over the world um, 
and scoring has been such a huge element to the arcade. Sure. Um, we've got well over 150 world records that have been set here. Wow. Um, the level of competition here is an amazingly high, but there's a lot of camaraderie between the community as well. Sure. Like, the players will actually help each other beat their scores. Wow. So, wow. Because if they have the score, they feel like they don't have to play that game anymore. So it really gets them back into playing that game. And it's been the, – the community behind this place is just amazing. Wow, wow. How many games that you have, have here with 449 games, consoles, or arcade cabinets, there have to be some here that are rare. How many of, of the, the arcade cabinets that you have here are no place else in the world, if there are any? Uh, currently, according to Orcade.com, we have 89 games that <laughs> we are the only arcade listed to have them. In the world. In the world. <laughs> That's unbelievable. So, That's unbelievable. We really pride ourselves on uh, importing games from right. Japan and trying to track down very obscure games, right. um, most notably games like Sega Sonic the Hedgehog and Primal Rage 2. And um, We just love having rare stuff that you just can't play anywhere else. That's that's awesome. You know, uh, something I actually forgot is how everything works here at Galloping Ghost. Um, I won't even because it's it's just it's too sweet. <laughs> I will allow you to explain to people what their Galloping Ghost experience is. Cool. Um, well, basically, uh, it's it's fifteen dollars to get in, right? And then everything is on free play, and you can stay. We're here till two a.m. every single day. Um, can play as much as you want. It, the big thing for us when we were opening, uh, why we didn't go uh, token or card-based uh, or quarter-based, was we really wanted people to experience games that they hadn't played much before. Sure. Um, we get a lot of people that come in and say they used to spend $15 trying to beat Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles right. or Terminator right. 2 or right. Simpsons. And we really wanted to make everybody... And not only get a good a good value, but if they were traveling here, we want them to spend all day. Sure. Uh, it's not just get somebody in and out real quick. Right. There's so many hundreds of games that uh, people, if you were having to gamble on if you're going to like a new game, they right. might not they put might that not quarter. Right. Yeah, they absolutely. might not put the quarter in, and this way they can play it. And it has really helped people find so many games that they never knew were amazing games, right. and and that's that's a very satisfying aspect of of the arcade. That's that's amazing. So so this place is actually it's more than an arcade. It's more like an interactive museum. You come in, you pay your your you pay your entrance fee, and then you just get to come in and enjoy the history of of arcade games, and not only just arcade games because you also have built cabinets for console games. Yes, with, with some of the uh, newer games that didn't get arcade releases like uh, uh, Mortal Kombat 9 and Super Street or uh, Killer Instinct 2013 and uh, Injustice, we've custom-built cabinets. Uh, to and, and it's really helped the console players. Like, they come in, they see a game that they recognize, and then it really gets them in the arcade atmosphere. Right, right. Uh, and it's, it's, that's really helped. Nice. Um, so nice. So, all right. Now, with all of these cabinets, cabinets, you've got 
Uh, you've got actually sit down uh, cabinets where you, you know, driving games and then some of that actually move some of the old playing games. You've got pinball machines. You've got, you know, all sorts of just really wild, wild cabinets here. The, the maintenance must be out of control. What like what <laughs> what is that like for you? What do you have to do? Do you send them out? What do you what do you wind up no, doing? We do all of our maintenance in house. Um, myself and uh, Brandon Diaz are pretty much we handle everything here. Um, it's it's an everyday thing. Uh, <laughs> we have hundreds of people in through the weekend, and is. On Monday morning, we start going through everything and see what's down, and we try to get it back up as quickly as possible. Um, we encourage people to let us know uh, what's not working. Sure. Right. As, as minor as, as a button not working, we need to fix that immediately because if somebody thinks that machines aren't working here, they, we want them to come back. And it's uh, something also that we enjoy doing is fixing right, the stuff. Right. And if somebody wants to play a specific game, if it's down, we do our best to get it back up right then and there for them. And people really seem to appreciate that. Nice, nice. Now, so so, uh, full disclosure, I knew that already. I knew that you guys (laughs) maintained them. Um, I had also read somewhere that you guys, like, sometimes hold classes for people so that they can learn to to fix boards as well? Absolutely. We we love... Uh, giving a full arcade experience here. Like we try to, uh, we do all of our maintenance on the floor, encourage people to actually just come and watch us assemble a cabinet from scratch. Um, People bring their own cabinets in on the off occasion. We're more than happy to help them fix them. Um, It's really the coolest thing that has happened so far out of, we do do full out wiring classes sometimes. A lot of the shows that we do, uh, that's one of the big things that people ask us is to wire a cabinet from scratch. And when we do that, we let people use the tools and get used to them. And um, from that, we've had so many people contact us saying that they've been went to our class and then now they have an arcade cabinet that they maintain at home. Wow. And uh, the coolest thing, though, was uh, at our second wiring class that we did, uh, about 50 people showed up. And there was... One guy who came up to us afterwards and he was like, you know, you made it look really easy how to do this. He's like, I think I want to open an arcade. He's like, that was always the one thing holding him back was that he didn't know if he could maintain the stuff. Right. And uh, that guy turned out to be Scott Lambert. And he, <laughs> he ended up opening up the Underground Retrocade out in uh, East Dundee. Wow. Okay. And now he's got 120 games. And just by us running these little classes, it's really helped perpetuate the arcade scene and there's another place to go play arcade games with somebody that cares about their machines and maintains them that was definitely uh uh, one of our our favorite things that happened from a wiring class nice nice so uh you know i want to wrap up i don't want to take up too much of your time but why don't you tell everyone about some of the things that are upcoming uh, here at here at Galloping Ghost, oh, uh, we've got a lot of really big events. Um, next, uh, we're doing fan, uh, Wizard World's Fan Fest uh, next weekend. Actually, and then, that's uh, March eighth, uh, March twenty eighth, or no, no, seventh no, and eighth. March seventh and eighth. Okay. Uh, then we are doing a developer day uh, here on March twenty eighth. March 28th, okay. Which, uh, yeah, there's going to be a very busy couple of weeks coming up. But the Developer Day, uh, we have so many industry friends, um, like uh, 
Jeff Lee, who was the creator of Cuber, right. or Brian Colin, who designed Rampage, uh, Todd Allen, who worked on The Grid, um, Larry DeMar, who worked on Robotron and Defender. Uh, yeah. um, it's George Petro. There's a huge list of developers that are all uh, coming, uh, along with Chris Tang, who uh, worked on the Primal Rage games. Right. So they're all coming out on uh, March 28th okay. to, to meet with people and awesome. talk about all the game development that's happened over the years. And uh, that's going to be a really great event. Um, then we've got our MGC. Uh, we've got our, uh, which is April 10th through the 12th. Uh, a day after that, we have our Mortal Kombat X launch party. <laughs> nice. And then on the 18th is uh, Shang Tsung's Fight Night, which we have uh, 10 of the actors coming out from the original Mortal Kombat. Oh, man. Uh, and it, it, it keeps going on. Combo Breaker, uh, our T20 event. Um, but we, we do list everything on our Facebook page. So. Okay. All right. Which is <laughs> Facebook.com slash Galloping Ghost Arcade? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I'm really good at that. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I want to wrap it up. I, Doc, uh, you know, thank you so much for, thank you. for taking the time to, to talk to me and talk to Bricardo. But, you know, thanks a lot for talking to us. Um, when, uh, when you do talk to people besides Facebook, facebook.com slash Galloping Ghost Arcade, where else, uh, can they find you or you guys are on uh, Twitter? We are on Twitter. Uh, Facebook is definitely our, uh, biggest point that we reach out with. Sure. Um, and then we've just relaunched our website. Uh, so there's like forums and stuff on oh, there as oh, well. Okay. GallopingGhostArcade.com. Right. Where you also have the list of all of your cabinets and yes. the ones that are working and not working. Yes. Nice. Nice. Um, and what is what is your Twitter account? Um, you know, I don't even know off the top of my head. <laughs> <laughs> we I have it on our linked on our Facebook. Right. I so. think it is G Ghost Arcade. That, if I, that if sounds I, right. If that I sounds... remember correctly, <laughs> so um, I will make sure, guys, to to let you guys know in the in the after this interview what the actual uh, Twitter handle is. Um, <laughs> Doc, I've got some video games to play. I've got some arcade games to play. Um, thanks so much for, for sitting down and talking with us. Hopefully we'll get a chance to do this again. At any time. Uh, Thank and, you so uh, much. Yeah, I, you know, um, we can, you know, invite people that are in the Chicagoland area, come out. If you listen to our show, you'll definitely appreciate this place. If you don't listen to our show, you'll definitely appreciate this place. <laughs> um, and if you're visiting Chicago, this is definitely one of the places that you should stop. Um, this is Cicero Holmes. Stubby Stan with Doc Mac. I'm signing out, and we'll say peace. All right. Well, there you go, guys. Uh, that was Doc Mac uh, talking about the Galloping Ghost. Um, it's it's an amazing place. Uh, shout out to Doc. Uh, shout out to the rest of the uh, the the crew over there at the Galloping Ghost. Eight thousand square feet, four hundred and fifty arcade cabinets. Yeah. 90 exclusive or uh, excuse me 89 exclusive games the world's officially the world's largest arcade yeah it's 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 just really amazing because you know it's one of those things that you know we all say oh man i'm gonna build an arcade in my basement or i'm gonna do this i mean and these right. guys went out and <laughs> Just build yeah. a freaking like Walmart of arcades, you know? Right, right, um, right. And, and you know, at a time when I feel like even movie theaters are squ- are 
paring down their arcades. Like even the big AMCs and stuff that I go right. to that used to have like, you know, 20 or 30 games and they might have like right. a little corner, you know, with four yep. or something in it. Yep. So like, exactly. so you can really only get a lot of arcade games at a Dave and Buster's. As far as I know, that's really right. the only place you can go to. I mean, movie theaters used to be, used to be, you know, kind of the last arcade. Um, right. So the fact that, you know, that um, Gallop and Ghost is, like, out there and they're successful, they have a great, like, kind of Twitch Twitch series that, that 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 they've started up as of late, um, you know, it just really makes me happy. Um, yeah. There's definitely people that I want to support. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, I mean, you talk about Dave and Buster's is a there's another place uh, not too far from me called Gameworks, which is, you know, a Dave and Buster's clone. Um, these places, they may have on on the high end, they may have 100 arcade machines in them. Right. Galloping Ghost has 89 machines that you can't play any place else in the world. Sense. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense, and and and, and yes, I, I would be also remiss if I didn't shout out Barcade um, in sure. in uh, Williamsburg, Brooklyn, and in Philly, um, which I spent yes, lots yes. and lots of time at. Sure, um, but yeah, they sure. have eighty nine exclusives, like <laughs> right. like uh, like uh, Primal Rage two, which I didn't even know even existed. <laughs> right and, and, and nobody nobody else does either it's it's you know it's one of those this that game in itself um is is a really there's a really interesting story about that one um there are only two boards of primal rage 2 in existence um uh, one was owned by the the actual creator of the game and the other was owned by the one of the game devs so the game dev had his board at his home uh somewhere in california the the actual creator of the game had his in the office well it was in the office when the parent company and i i can't remember whether it was atari or bally midway or you know whoever it was uh shuttered yeah that that sounds about right um they shuttered the office and so the creator of the game couldn't get his board out and doc was able to find the board and now he's got it. So, so the, the board that, that they have in the, in, in uh galloping ghost is the board that was worked on by the creator of, of primal rage two. Yeah. No, no, actually I, I, I was wrong. It was Atari games. It was Atari. It was Atari. Okay. Yeah. Um, be, 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 because there's there's actually I'm looking at a, a article from Polygon from June of a, of a last year that talks about how it only exists at Galloping Ghosts. So yeah. So the the developer still has his, um, but he doesn't. Every now and then he'll bring it out to a show or something like that. But I think it just primarily hangs out in his basement in his rumpus room or whatever. Um, <laughs> Then, uh, then there's a there's another game like two two cabinets down from Primal Rage Two, that is um, this game. I think it's called The Outsiders or something like that. It is the precursor to Smash Brothers. 
Hmm. And when you get to when you see it, you'll you'll know you'll know why. Um, so there are no Nintendo characters in it, but this is the game that Smash Brothers was based off of, and it's an arcade game. Um, this is yeah. If you are if well, first off, if you live in if you live within a hundred miles of this place, you need to go. Period. Um, if you plan on visiting Chicago at any point. Um, you need to visit. It is it is definitely worth the trip. Um, Fifteen dollars again, like we said in the piece. Fifteen dollars, unlimited play. It's open eleven to two a.m. eleven a.m. to two a.m. every single day, including Man. holidays. That's so. How, there's how no excuse. Power that place. I don't know. So I don't know. Ago. It's magic. It's magic. It is magic. Yeah. It's magic. You know. And and the employees have been there. So, you know, you think, oh, yeah, it's an arcade. There's dumb kids. Pimply, you know, it's the, it's the Simpsons uh, kids that are working there. No, you guys have been there for four years. The store, so the, the place has been open for five. And I was That's talking so to some of the guys and they've been working there for four years. That's their job is the work of Galloping Ghost. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No, I think think of like how many people stay at arcades or GameStop or whatever game related right. place for four years, you know? Right, right. Exactly. Exactly. Those people are managers or, or, you know, have no ambition or something like that. And on top of that, the other thing is they if you are into uh electrical engineering, um, or you know, any mechanical engineering, um, they work on the boards and the pinball machines and stuff like that in house. So you can and they have classes where they can teach you how to do that kind of stuff. So, you you know, you have oh, all wow. of that stuff. Right. Yeah. That's really all of that stuff. Yeah. is. Yeah. It's right there. Right there for you. I mean, they they do it all soup to nuts. And on top of that, uh, even on the game dev side. So Doc Mac is a game dev, uh, which we didn't talk about in the piece. Um, but Doc Mac is a game dev. He's been working on a fighting game. So Mortal Kombat was his inspiration. He's uh, been working on a fighting game in his head for the last 10 years, but actually programming it for the last five years. And they anticipate it being out sometime this July. Um, so hopefully when, uh, when his game finally releases or about the time it's about to release, we'll be able to get doc Mac on the show and, uh, and really talk about, um, what, what the fighting, what his fighting game is. It's going to be in the mortal Kombat style. Um, where you have actual actors um, right. that are doing the moves and then, you know, and then you'll control them. Um, and so there's a lot of work that goes into that. Um, a lot of work on green screens, a lot of work um, capturing moves and that kind of stuff. So uh, it'll be great to have him on and talk about that kind of stuff uh, in the future. So. Yeah, that's really cool, and, and and that must be so difficult, especially since Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat are pretty much back in full force right. in the fighting game community. And like you, you know, I mean, at like Evo, like you still have you know your Smash Brothers and and, and like even weird games like Dive Kick and stuff. But Street right. Fighter is right. still the you know sort of the gold standard, and then you have even like kind of the newer looking games like injustice which i believe nether realm did injustice as well so like yeah 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 so like they're kind of 
entering into, you know, a really competitive market. Like, it's not like it was maybe five years ago when the fighting game genre was kind of like not dead, but it was, yeah, but it was, it was definitely lagging. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it'll, yeah. it'll, it'll be interesting to see, um, how this game is. Like, I'm definitely looking right. forward yeah. to checking it out. Yeah. So they're, they're going to be taking that game on tour. Uh, it will make its way to ground control in Portland. That was definitely one of the places that he was talking about. Um, and uh, when it is in Galloping Ghost, maybe it will it will be sitting right next to um, their Injustice cabinet or their Mortal Kombat X cabinet, um, which they made cabinets for the console versions of those games. There's a Killer Instinct cabinet as well for the Xbox One, um, or the, where they or create the, or or the, or their Street Fighter the movie cabinet. Yes, wow. yes, yes. But that's <laughs> see that's an actual arcade game. Yeah. versus versus console games that they turn into arcade games. I see. Um yeah, so but uh yeah. I mean this place is the place is is just uh, overwhelming. I you know, I went in and it was sensory overload not because it was loud. And that was one of the things that I was really surprised by. You can hear all of the games but it's not like you could also hear yourself talk, um, which was which was amazing. Like, yeah, that's interesting. You know, th- so, so, so they're not all on like a track mode where they're kind of just blaring. No, no, out. yeah, yeah. This, I mean, the sound was it was loud enough to, so that you could hear it when you were sitting at the cabinet, but it wasn't it wasn't so loud that you felt like. Oh man, you know I got to get out of here because I just need to hear myself think for a second. Mm. Um, it it was it was real. It was much quieter than you would think the world's largest arcade should be. Yeah, I wonder how they uh, pulled that off because even the tiny right. arcades that I that I used to go to as a kid, they were super loud. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. super loud. Yeah. Yeah, it's it it is it's just it's amazing. It's amazing. And uh also uh shout out to Anthony Nels uh of the 42 Lounge who was out there. Made the trip down from Milwaukee shout to uh, come to, down and uh shout out to Tony. Yeah. And congratulations yeah, so, on their new venture, the 42 Ale yes. House, which should be opening in the spring, like a, like, yes. like a little restaurant in Francis in St. Francis, yeah. Wisconsin. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. I, I uh, can't wait till that opens and we can have some craft beers and uh, be gaming hipsters. And I know I called him Anthony. Sorry, Tony. I don't know <laughs> if that's like something that uh, that uh, you know only your mom can call you or uh, Lynn calls you when she's angry at you or something like that. I'm not angry with you at all. We're angry. So, right. We're black so, and we're angry. Right. So uh, yeah. Um, I mean, so that place was was great. Um, if I had to review it uh, using uh, <laughs> using Adam Sessler's uh, speak, I'd give it a five <laughs> out of five. That's pretty good. Um, pretty good. Thank you. That's a pretty good Sessler. <laughs> thank you. So um, an- another game, um, or speaking of reviews, uh, there's a game that I want to review uh, that just came out for the Xbox One. It was released uh, last Tuesday. Uh, that was uh, Scream Ride, and we got a code for Scream Ride. Shout out to Microsoft uh, for giving us a, a review code for the game. Um, and uh, Scream Ride came out, and I got a chance to play it. So here's my review of it. Scream Ride is a 
digital or retail uh, game that was made by the same guys who who uh, brought you Zoo Tycoon and Roller Coaster Tycoon, and it's very much in that Roller Coaster Tycoon um, mode uh, where you are a roller coaster creator, but you actually test out the ride with thrill seekers who sit on the uh, who sit in the coasters and they go through the track and you can lean them and there's a turbo and the goal is to keep them on the track, make them go as fast as they possibly can uh, so that they can scream louder and you can yeah they can scream louder so the the more they scream the better your ride is uh the better the, your ride is the higher you score um and if they fall off the track hilarity ensues um it, it it's definitely crazy there are portions where you're supposed to purposely purposefully r- drive them off of the track and then crash into a building or something like what? that and the physics in it are amazing um, the graphics remind the graphics remind me of a they remind me of Connect Sports Rivals. So the 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 models look very similar to that. Um, it also kind of reminds me of Trials Fusion, uh, in so much that you're you're playing you're racing these tracks, and there are time you know there are timed events and there are time trials basically, and that's how you. You gain your points based on, you know, and and reach reach certain milestones, what have you. Um, But also you can build your own tracks so you can. uh, There's one there's one mode where you race through the tracks and you, you know, you race through all the tracks that they have available. Then there's a destruction mode where you race the tracks until you get to a point where you can destroy the, the, you know, all the people and they crash into buildings and shit falls down. Um, and then there is a create mode where you get to create your own tracks. Um, and and all three of those modes are ridiculously fun. The physics are great. Um, it's it's a great game that you can pick up and play for 15, 20 minutes and have a great, you know, great time. You only have a half an hour to spare. You can jump into that game, really make some progress, um, really have a lot of fun um, and and. While it's not multiplayer, you have the ability to download other tracks and do the, do that kind of stuff, so you can interact with the community. Um, and every track they have uh, world leaderboards and friend friend leaderboards, so you can uh, interact with your friends via that way um, and challenge them with with different uh, different you know have different challenges. Basically, if you beat their score, that kind of stuff, you can you can kind of taunt them. Here's the rub. With this game, I think the game is fantastic. I really, really love this game. But, but here's the rub: mm-hmm. the game is forty bucks. I'm not sure I can re- recommend the game at that price point. Mm. I would be more willing to recommend the game if it was thirty bucks, uh, because it, it because it is so. Like Trials Fusion was twenty dollars. And at the time when it when it came out, I thought maybe it was like five bucks too much. Mm-hmm. But this game is more than Trials Fusion. It is definitely a better game than Trials Fusion. Or and and of course that's subjective. Um, I think that it's 
the the uh, difficulty curve doesn't steep up. It doesn't ramp up as quickly as Trials Fusion does. So you definitely have the ability to continue to play and not get as frustrated as Trials does with you. So you you know so you'll, you'll it has a longer tail. If you know if the 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 fun versus frustration factor doesn't come into play the same way that that it does in trials. But at 40 bucks, you know, it's and you know, it's almost not fair to judge it this way. But but it is when it when it comes to your wallet. Is it double the fun of trials? Oh, that's a hard right. It, it, it is. It is. It is. But, you know, I mean, when it comes to dollars and cents and I really want to be honest with people. I just I, I really honestly I have a I have a really tough time recommending this game for forty dollars. However, I will say that if you are a fan of Roller Coaster Tycoon, um, if you're a fan of those games, then definitely go and get this. Now game. I fi- go ahead. I find that interesting because it seems like this is like Roller Coaster Tycoon is you know a straight up simulation, right? right. Like you're building a park, you're managing attendance, right. you're managing all that stuff. Whereas this is more sort of just, I don't want to say mini games, but it's sort of like just the coaster. Right. Right. And just like the different challenges. So it almost seems like it's going at a different audience. Well, it's so it is, it is and it isn't. So, so in Roller Coaster Tycoon, you definitely, you have the theme park. Uh, so, you, you know, you have that simulation where you're managing attendance, you're managing those types of things. But. The big draw to because at the same time that uh, Roller Coaster Tycoon was out, there was a game called Theme Park. And yeah, and I remember that, you know, Theme Park gave you the entire theme park. So you had, you know, rides, you had all this other stuff. And and I arguably would say that if you were interested in the management of a theme park of an amusement park, that theme park was better than Roller Coaster Tycoon. That that the draw to Roller Coaster Tycoon was actually building the roller coasters, um, building okay. the best roller coaster, and that's where Scream Ride really shines, is allowing your creativity to just kind of uh, go wild. And and you know the more the more you unlock in the the other two modes, the more assets become available for you for the creation mode. So that's the incentive to go back and play the single, you know, play those other two modes first. Um, so, so that's why I say if you know if you are a fan of theme park, because you really you really wanted to get into the minutia of building building an amusement park and and you know handling tickets and and all of that stuff, then maybe this game isn't for you. But if you really enjoyed Roller Coaster Tycoon and you really enjoyed building the coasters and, and there was the mode in it where you actually got to ride them, um, then this game is for you. Um, so if you enjoyed those games, 40 bucks is is a low a low barrier of entry to to go into okay. those games, uh, to go into Scream Ride. But if you're new to that genre and you're not necessarily into it, then you know I don't know I don't know but it but it is I think that if 40 bucks if you think you know you hear about the game you you hear what I'm saying and you're like ah you know what 40 bucks isn't that big of a deal then get the game you won't be disappointed you won't be disappointed but if you're right. holding on to your money and you've got x amount of dollars in your 
you know, in your game, in your video game budget for the next four or five months. And you've got a certain, you know, a certain number of games that you've got to earmark for that. I don't, you know, I don't know if I could say don't buy something and and buy Scream Ride instead because Scream Ride is great. But Scream Ride is great. So, <laughs> if, yeah, no, no, no it, it 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 just sounds so weird that you're saying this is a great game. Don't buy right, it. Right. But <laughs> like, I I I understand like the price point. Right. Um, well, is. Okay, so would thirty dollars be the point? For yes, this? yes. If if it was if it was thirty bucks, no problem. And you know, I I know it's 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 weird to kind of quibble over ten dollars, but but you know when and and here's it's a fourth of the price. Right, That's a decent right. Amount. Yeah, it is. You know, it is twenty five percent off. But uh, um, so here's the funny thing so when you know as right before we started the show and i knew that i was doing the review and and i was looking over all of the material for it you know i jumped onto the price for it and i was like holy shit it's 40 bucks and you know like and it and it really kind of changed my whole perspective on the game um i love the fact that i have it i think it's fantastic but you know if 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 what i had was a full feature demo that allowed me to play the game until until the game was released and they said all right well now you've got to pay the licensing fee you've got to pay the licensing fee in order to get the game and you have to pay full price i don't know that i would do it makes sense um that makes sense yeah. but but I, I i really enjoy the game i really enjoy the game um i'm i'm glad the game exists but uh you know speaking of things existing uh you brought something yeah something to our attention um so reef why don't you why don't you talk about that sure so uh graham smith on uh, rock paper shotgun wrote this fantastic article called what if steam never existed Hmm. so i'm a big pc gamer um that's where i do the majority of my gaming and one thing that has really helped that stay the case is because steam is sort of that portal where you can get you know the majority of your pc games on one platform everything's patched everything always works you know like there's one place that has like your card information so you don't have to worry about other stores so it's like this like centralized thing right that has really helped so like he kind of proposed this kind of alternative history of like what would have happened um so he mentions like some really interesting things that basically all are organized around the fact that without Steam, Valve wouldn't have that revenue source, so they would have to keep on making games, which means they wouldn't have the time to spend on these games, so they wouldn't necessarily be as good. Huh. They, they they like do say like um yo like Valve needs a a, a lot of money, so like Half Life Three does like, come out, but it's published by Electronic Arts. And it has all these issues, right? right? Um, he like talks about how like Valve, you know, like they never get involved in like Dota two because they don't have that like infrastructure of 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 uh, Steam. Obviously, Dota two is like a huge thing, right? Right. Like um, Team Fortress two, it comes out, but because it doesn't have that infrastructure. You know, it doesn't really take off because it doesn't have like these crazy patches 
in these in this crazy experimentation that Valve was what was like able to do. But I think that like one of the strongest points in the piece is that it basically talks about how just like how Microsoft has games for Windows and EA has Origin now that all these other major companies try to launch their own stores. Right, right. So so like you have this completely fragmented market where you're getting patches and downloads from this from like five, ten different stores that all have like your credit card information and there's not really that one part where like a small indie place can really launch on something like early access and get the amount of eyes and the visibility on it to uh, actually be successful so that that would actually harm the uh, development of a lot of cool games Um, specifically in this uh, in this article their prediction is Kerbal Space Program. That doesn't happen. Goat Simulator. That doesn't happen. Daisy. That doesn't happen, right? So, like, it talks about how like all these kind of really big um, games that like kind of came out, out of that indie spirit probably would not occur. So, I just I just thought it was pretty interesting. Um, I'm big on like alter- alternative histories and like the and, and like those like what if questions. But yeah, I really do think that you know, that PC gaming would, would probably be so much of a hassle that I don't know if I would have stuck with it all this time um, without something as, like, centralized as the Steam platform. You know, so, like, I thought that it was cool. Definitely check it out. Um, so, Cicero, I know you're not, like, a huge PC gamer, but um, what are your opinions on, like, Steam and... Uh, and like and like sort of like the central and you know what i think i think those are great points i mean like i really don't i don't know if there is anything that i could add to to what you're saying (laughs) it was perfection (laughs) uh that that would really that could you know that could really counteract your argument yeah yeah because steam has been steam has been the greatest uh, steam and i would i would argue the mobile space mm-hmm. are are the things that have really saved gaming. Um, I'm sure that Anna and Jessica of Unconsolable will, will love the fact that I've said that <laughs> um, because because they have been the places where. So, you know, so, I mean, we've talked about it the last few weeks, I think, uh, here on the show that the double A space, if you will doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, it's tough. Um they're they're real I mean, you know, you're you're either getting triple A or you're getting indie. And 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 you know, maybe there are a few exceptions kind of like Scream Ride that, you know, that came in at forty bucks. Um which, you know, which isn't necessarily from an indie developer, um and but and definitely is not a triple A game. So maybe, you know, maybe that's a double A game. Um, but right. But, uh, you know, for the most part, you're not getting you where you where you're getting those great independent experiences um, were 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 definitely first on Steam and then secondly on mobile devices where you're getting these quirky games that, you know, people didn't know existed, came, you know, come from development houses of. Less than 10 people, they've been allowed to, via word of mouth, 
um, off of steam and, and that kind of stuff to been, been allowed to flourish and grow to the point where the, the bigger gaming networks, um, i.e. consoles have been able you know, have been kind of forced to pay attention to, to, you know, what these games were. Cause I mean, if you look at the Xbox live arcade, mm-hmm. which is the first place on consoles where you got non-traditional retail games. Right. Um, if, if that's, if that's a way to, 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 to say them, those games, the games that you were getting on Xbox live arcade were basically rehashes of, of games from, from the past. Right. You know, or, or, you know, some one-off game from a dev that already, you know, that was already in a relationship with Microsoft. Those games probably still would have existed, but games like Fez wouldn't have existed. Games like Shadowrun wouldn't have existed. Or well, I guess Shadowrun would have existed because it did exist. I don't know, though, because <laughs> like, I think that right. this model had proven itself out on the PC. I don't know if Microsoft and Sony would have really taken the risk because it's really, you know, like the right. indie stuff that they're doing is a risk, you know? Right. Um, right. So, so like they right. had to see it kind of prove out first, like before, like they were willing to, you know, really put that stuff in their store. Sure. Sure. And then, you know, and yeah, so, um, origin as a service wouldn't exist. I don't think, oh. um, I, yeah, I, I just, I just, I don't, I don't think, I don't think Origin as a service would have existed. Um, I, I I think that for what it's worth, that EA would have would have more than likely stopped. They would have preferred to stop putting out their games for the PC because of piracy than. And, and you know, and maybe maybe Origin would have existed, but it would have only existed for EA games, which I guess kind of only exists for EA games as it is now, and it kind of sucks yep. um, because of it. But nice right, but uh, but you know, I I just I wonder if you would have seen a Battlefield Four on the PC if there was no vehicle for uh, for EA to kind of mitigate the pirates. Um, yeah, that's interesting, man. I didn't really think about that yeah. um, because I thought that they would have yeah. definitely like released one because there would have been no competition. Um, because before Origin, all of EA games were on Steam. <laughs> you know, I still have copies right, of Dead right. Space and Dragon Age, right? And the, right, those and, exist on and Steam. The first two Mass Effects I, I still have on right. Steam, but once Origin right. came out, they pulled them all from Steam. So right. I don't know. Right. I, I feel like. EA is a big enough company that they don't really care about the piracy. Um, you you think so? I think so. Um, I think. Then why then why create Origin? So I think that they create Origin so that they can get a cut, and so they can control the experience. Um, I don't think it's necessarily because of piracy. I think it's because they know that you know, kind of downloading games is a thing. Um, and mm-hmm. they don't want Valve to control that that uh, market. You're saying that Origin only exists because Steam exists. I think it. Well, no, I think it would have existed if Steam didn't exist. But 
Steam kind of running away with the market, I think, made EA, you know, really, really kind of make the decision for them that they needed their own solution. I think they would have been kind of slower to come to that because they wouldn't have had another company to kind of prove out that model um, like sure. uh, Valve okay. did. But so, so maybe Origin would have existed in some format or another. Um, but but what we do know definitely is that Valve wouldn't have had the money to make um, arguably one of the greatest values in gaming over the last 15 years. And that's the orange box, um, which means we wouldn't have had portal. We wouldn't have had the brilliance that is portal. Um, we wouldn't have had the brilliance that was that the, the genius that was portal Two, mm-hmm. Um and, and that, would you know, we would have really really been uh worse you know worse for it as a result of of those not being out we also wouldn't have had left for dead yeah most you know most likely um because valve wouldn't have been around and maybe you know maybe in some alternate universe they they still come together and and uh release the game the the original left for dead was an xbox exclusive right no no, no. xbox did it did it come out on the ps3 well, def- it came no, out on the, PC. on the PC. Yeah, the, yeah. Right. I, don't, I don't think it came out I don't on know the PS3 about it on the console. Left, I just remember. Yeah, Left 4 Dead Two was was multi multi platform, okay. but I think the first one That's was uh, was I, an exclusive. I, didn't know that. Um, I yeah. do know that a lot of people complain that they didn't like it on the console for some reason. Um, Real, I, I, I loved it on the console. Game. I I thought it was amazing. But but um, yeah, no, I mean I yeah, I think that. It would have been an interesting thing, and I think it really, unless someone else came out with sort of a comprehensive solution as Steam is, I don't think PC gaming would be as strong as it is. No, no, I, I think, I think you know, we're we're sitting here and we're uh, kind of speculating on on lots of things, but I think that the one thing that is objectively true is is that console gaming would have would have more than likely been in its death rattles with the exception of you know there 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 are very few genres that there are some genres that work best on the on the pc uh strategy game so they're start there probably still would have been a starcraft um right and 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 i mean mean like there still would be blizzard (laughs) You know what I'm saying? They, right, right. They right, don't use right, Steam. Right. They don't use Origin. They right. have their own Blizzard net, and they dominate everything. Right, <laughs> right, right. Exactly, exactly. But but it would have it would have been the place where like oh okay well you're going to play you know you're going to play is your StarCraft WoW player would have been your PC. Yep. I agree. And and you know and that would have been it and it would have been this whole myriad games that we would have never played yep and gaming would have been for the yeah, worst so, right so we are you know for for lots of the complaints that steam gets nowadays and you know i know a lot of people have uh had some issues with their with uh steam light with their you know the steam green light uh program and and uh what was that game hatred yes um, being up there and stuff like that while you know, while we sit back and we argue, and, and you, kind of akin to 
uh, the love hate relationship that we have here on this show with Ubisoft as a developer or uh, as a publisher, you, you've got to remember to take the good with the bad. Um, that yes, there are times when they allow things like hatred through in, in Steam, but we're, we're all, we're the, the environment in the community is a better place for Steam because of Steam. Um, and, and our, our gaming experiences are much richer um, because it exists. So, uh, you know, let's keep positive outlooks. And, uh, you know, while we're on positive outlooks, I think it's time for our music break. Um, so, yeah. So, here, you know, here you are. Here we are. It's Sharif Jackson. It's Cicero Holmes. It's Spawn on Me, episode 52. And it's our music break right about mm. now. And she came with the same type game The type of girl giving out the fake cell phone The name, Big Fame She like cats with big things Jewel ship, money clip, phone flip, the six range Has seen her on the ass, spotted her more than once Ass so fat that you can see her from the front She spot me like paparazzi Shot me a glance in that cat woman stance With the fat booty pants, hot damn What's your name, love? Where you came from? Neck and wrist laced up, very little makeup The swims at the Reebok gym Tone your frame up a sugar and spice The only thing that you made up I tried to play a low key but couldn't keep it down Asked her to dance and she was like, yo, I'm leaving now An hour later, Sam's from Jamaica She's sipping Chris straight up, shaking while in the waist up Scene two my fam throwing a jam for Reed is on the stand. Big things is in the plan. The brother Big Moon makes space for me to move in here. Yo, this my man most baby. Let me introduce. I turn around. You was the same pretty bird who I priorly observed. Trying to play me for the herd. Shocked to sell, she couldn't get it together. I just played along and pretended I never met her. How you feeling? No, I'm fine. My name is Moe. I'm Sharice. I heard so much good about you. It's nice to finally meet. He moved to the booth, preserve the crew, especially your honey love. Ended up sitting Directly next to me I'm tight polite But now I'm looking at her skeptically Cause baby girl got all the right weaponry Designer fabric Shoes and accessories Chinky eyes Sweet voices You want me mentally Be calm and say they made her laugh Yeah you know me bro Even though I know the steelo She wild sweet yo I'm about to murk I say peace to the family She hop up like How you gonna leave Before you dance with me Dance with me She blew my whole head with that dude I was like what I played it low though I was like yeah Alright come on then Let's go Welcome back, everybody, to the Spawn on Me podcast episode 52. Cicero Holmes, Sharif Jackson in for Khalif Adams. He is here in spirit how's um, that gc living it up living it up spreading that, that spawn on me message all right eating some garlic fries <laughs> um, uh i hope you guys enjoyed that music break that was the mighty most deaf most definitely mm-hmm. um with miss fat booty off of the black on both sides album dope track dope record 
dope album, dope MC. Yes. Uh, speaking speaking of dopeness, um, so last month and and ending with last week, we tried our best to uh, as I rambled through uh, spotlighting people of color um, in in during Black History Month. Um, I've decided to continue to spotlight people. This is March. This is National Women's Month. Um, so it's only right that we spotlight uh, some a woman in gaming. And I'm you know try and make it gaming centric this this month. And if we're going to spotlight women in gaming, we've got to start with the first person on the women's women gaming Mount Rushmore, as it were. And that is Miss Roberta Williams. Uh, Roberta Williams is the co-founder of Sierra Online. Um, her and her husband, Ken Williams, started Sierra Online in 1980, basically, as online systems. Um, and they used that to create uh, fantastic games like King's Quest mm-hmm. um, and then, you know, all of the other quest series um the first game was I, I believe it was mystery house from from the two of them um but but roberta is basically uh she is the pioneer and the creator of the graphic adventure game so um a lot of the games from my youth that i really loved i didn't play a lot of pc games but the pc games that I saw with the that that horizon mountain hazy thing <laughs> insignia that Sierra had, yeah. um, I I knew immediately that those were going to be quality. I knew that I was going to love those games, and I was never disappointed. Space Quest, um, Police Quest, King's Quest, uh, they were they were all amazing games, um, and and. Uh, even even that's right. Leisure Suit Larry. Even Leisure Suit Larry was a was an amazing game uh, that was that was a little risque for the time. Yeah, amazing <laughs> game. I don't know about um, yeah. it, it. It was an interesting game. Right. <laughs> um, it was kind of like a adventure game that was, but it was super easy because they wanted right. you to get the boobs every time. Right. <laughs> get to the boobs. <laughs> they didn't want you, they didn't want to hide the boobs from you. Right. That's what the game yeah, it was all about the boobs. Yeah. Um Yeah, so the the Williamses uh retired from gaming in 99 and their their time was basically the 80s and 90s, but uh if you watch the game awards uh this this past year in December, um one of the things that you got to see was the a great tribute to Ken and Roberta Williams. Yes. Um, and also a, uh, an announcement that King's quest is coming back. So it was given to a new studio, but overseen by the Williamses, uh, specifically Roberta Williams. Um, so hopefully it, it has some of that same magic in it. Um, and, uh, it, it can't, it can't come too soon if the magic is still there. Uh, yeah. so, uh, Roberta Williams, Bricago salutes you uh, just for being a wonderful pioneer. And, and, you know, thanks for everything that you've done. Shout out to Roberta Williams. Shout out indeed. Yeah. So, uh, so you know, now that we've done some shout outs, um, now that we've highlighted some people, 
it's time to it's time to get to some news reef you know our our news segment has a name and uh we we have to do something do you know what we have to do we gotta break it down break it down all right and our first piece of breakdown news is that uh google is trying to create robot apocalypse by using video games (laughs) uh they are trying to skynet their way to a better and brighter robot future i for one welcome our robot overlords and wish them nothing but the best. Um, but but uh, so so Google has created some video games, or they've they've created uh, this AI subroutine with uh, a company that they purchased. Do you remember the name of the the company? Uh, DeepMind. DeepMinds, yes. And they uh, they they've they took forty nine games, yep. and. The, with with the AI, they were able to just let the computer play the games, and they and they won. Yeah. Now now like the now like these are Atari twenty six hundred games. So these are games right, from right. the late seventies, early eighties in terms of game rules and design. So you can, you know, not that it's easy, but you can build a computer that basically has every possible move it's like kind of like you know it's like probably easier than deep blue and these chess computers right. to build something for the level of a 2600 game to like you know kind of the entire possibility set and then and then and, and, and then have it kind of play and store like what decisions made it lose and that kind of thing because that's basically what it did you know right um, right and 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 it beat both 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 computer-based players, me- meaning the AI that that is built into the games, and and people, or or, or like as as the uh, article says, meat-based players. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is an article that we uh, that we got off of uh, TechCrunch. Uh, Daryl Etherington Etherington was the uh, was the author of this article. Um, so yeah, twenty nine out of the forty nine games that were played, uh, the AI beat the meat based player, <laughs> um, and and beat the existing computer based players um, in forty three of the forty nine games. Uh, just just in the very quick sample base sample size that they used at least initially. Um, a weird thing that I saw. So, so one of the reasons that they're doing this is not just to play games, but they're trying to build up their AI subroutines so that they can use it for things like uh, driverless cars. Um, so that so the 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 AI becomes better at making snap decisions based on lots of calculations and and probabilities, um, and they felt like video games was a great way to have that kind of randomness thrown thrown at thrown at the AI in uh practical practical situations if you have if if you will um so one one of the weird things i saw in this article was that they said that they are 
giving the AI to get, uh, they're training the AI to become better at playing the games by rewarding the computer for doing things successfully with this, like some Pavlovian response. Um, I don't know what that is. Like, I don't know how you can reward a computer. Uh, Sharif, do oh, you have oh, an idea? Oh, oh, well, I mean, it's a human sacrifice, obviously. <laughs> oh, clearly. Yeah, like you kill someone clearly. and you drip the blood into the motherboard. <laughs> right. And the computer's like, yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. More, give me more. <laughs> give me more. Um, I'll show you my new dance, mama. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm not really sure what that is either. I mean, a computer will only do what you program it to do right so right my guess is that they program something that says this is good and program something else that says this is bad and then and then like within the code that they used for the learning like they probably had some you know like conditional statements that make things easier if there's more good points in the good section you know so Uh, Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like everything has to be designed, right? So right, right. Like yeah, I mean, you, you assume so, but if you know, if this thing becomes learning, if, if it becomes uh, close to sentient, then <laughs> what, what do you what do you do? Well, well, um, look, more importantly, is I like when you brought up the point about the uh, about the um, driverless cars because I want to be able to get one of these cars and put it in like Atari pole position mode. <laughs> where, where I'm just screaming down the street at like yep. 80 miles an hour, right. barely dodging other cars, and I'm right. just sitting there just just like chilling, taking right. a nap right. in the back. Right, you're taking a nap, you're listening to podcasts, doing doing yeah, playing exactly. a Sudoku puzzle. I want to go in pole position mode or right. like Grand right. Prix mode. You know? Right, yeah, Monaco Monaco GP, <laughs> the Grand 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 Prix, yeah. um, as they used to call it back in the day. Um, I mean, so really. If if we think about it, and I've been, you know, it's, it's really weird. I've been having this conversation quite often over the last week or so about driverless cars and Google. Maybe that means it's coming really, really soon. Mm. Um, is that is a domestication? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> not, not quite, not quite. But, um, but the 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 thought is that if we do get, if we do hit critical mass. With driverless cars, you will be living that pole position future because the cars will be much more efficient at navigating traffic than we could ever be. So if you remember, if people remember um, iRobot and mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, Will Smith is driving, he's riding in his his futuristic Audi on those mag strip highways or whatever you know all the cars are doing like 160 miles an hour yeah and you know and the reason that they can do that is because the computer is talking to the road the road is talking to the traffic signals and it's talking to the other cars that are on the road the cars are talking to the other cars that are on the road and they all kind of know exactly what they're doing all at the same time and they can make snap decisions quicker than we can even think about making those decisions so you just put in the gps where you want to go and you just let it do it and uh yeah you know it there'll be no you know no more traffic jams even if there are a million cars on the road at the same time they're all going to be able to go 
uh, you know, at optimal efficiency. So they'll be able to travel a lot faster. So uh, um, people, we need to embrace at least our robot driver future. <laughs> our driver driver overlords. Overlords, yes. Our driving overlords. Yeah, maybe maybe they'll take over take us over and say that we can't go to work. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, <laughs> l- like the future is going to be like that auto assault. Uh, that, like, MMOs. <laughs> Nothing but cars. <laughs> right. Right into the um, sunset. Right. <laughs> um, so they so they did say back to this article. They did say that the the next step now is to get the AI to start playing Doom era 3D virtual games. And that will be a better indicator of what they would be, what they would be um, seeing or anticipating when, when they're driving, when these AIs are driving in the real world. Um, Because you're going to get a sense of depth. Going from 2600 to freaking Doom? Well, (laughs) you're jumping like 20 years. Right. Well, so the so yes and no. So the the difference is that all of the games. So the games from from a from a computational perspective, from the twenty six hundred era to the eight bit era, isn't isn't that great? Isn't that great of a leap? Graphically, it was a great leap. But in terms of the games themselves, you only had you had double the inputs. You went from a one button input to two button input. Yeah. But you didn't have you were still operating on a two D plane. Yeah. Um. So you know all of that stuff was, it's you know fundamentally the same. But going from a two D plane to a three D plane, is a complete you know is a complete jump up. Yes. For, you know, from from a from a computational standpoint. So so that while, you know, while it's funny to think about it, like if you if you had a kid, you know, like that guy that there's that guy who's uh, who who has a five or six year old kid and he's basically giving him an education in video games by starting him out with twenty six hundred and Nintendo era video games. Brutal he wouldn't. He, right. Yeah. <laughs> he wouldn't jump him from shitty, shitty Pac-Man. To yeah. to to Doom like or to play, Wolfenstein. That poor or kid is like just that. dying against that same bird in Ninja Gaiden that just keeps <laughs> respawning. Right. Oh like, my god! What is happening? Oh my goodness, man! The games in the games in the Nintendo era were so hard. They yeah. were so hard. It, it. I mean, it was ridiculous. So it like it. It was such a. Like it, it hit the the Venn diagram for my personal experience with with uh, Nintendo era games was the worst possible <laughs> because <laughs> because I started like as the as like Nintendo got its footing and they realized they had something and they started making these really like these impossibly difficult games. I had just hit puberty. And was going through, you know, uh, for for the men of us that are, that are listening, understand I was going through that emotional, pub- uh, you know, that pubescent rage right. at the same time as I was playing these impossibly right. frustrating games. Yeah. So I was c- 
constantly sitting there like damn it and right and hitting hitting the top of my uh the top of my nintendo when the baseball game decided to cheat or you know some other game decided to cheat and uh, eventually i i hit it enough that i broke the spring (laughs) in my nintendo so i had to put two cartridges in the nintendo in order to get one cartridge to work so that was uh that was always yeah. amazing. Um, you got to lay that you know, one on the top. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, eventually everyone had to do that, but I, you know, I kind of, I, I kind of force force their hand with that one. Yeah. Um, I definitely so, had to do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that was that was always amazing for me. Um, Google does they do crazy things. Um, you know they they they've got Doom. They're getting ready 3D. Everything is super violent. I was super violent. Um, uh, another game that people call super violent is uh, GTA Five, and uh, if you're a, a fan of GTA Five, today is the day that you, uh, if you're like me, that you've been waiting for <laughs> since GTA Five was announced or GTA Online was announced. Uh, um, I guess over a year, year and a half ago. Heists are available. Woo, heists. Yes, yes. Heists are available. Um, I'll be playing them. I'll be playing some heists there. And, you know, I mean, the things that Rockstar does, uh, you know, I know a lot of people, uh, you know, a lot of people in Chicago even um, are not necessarily fans of GTA 5 and and, uh, the violence and the misogyny and, Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, everything that goes along with it. And and while I'll say, you know, I'm, I'm willing to sit down and have a discussion with anyone about the merits of the game um, and, and even the demerits of the game, I, I, I'd hope that everyone can say from a technical perspective that the game is a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. It, it is it is there. There is there is on consoles. There is nothing like it. Um, and I would say on PCs, there's nothing like it, except it hasn't come out on the fucking PC. <laughs> yeah, yet. exactly. It's, delayed it's been April delayed again. Now. When is it coming out? April. I forgot the date because it's come to the point now where I don't even believe the dates anymore. <laughs> right. Um, you know, but, uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, it is pushed back yet again. I was expecting it to come in like January or February. Um, and it didn't. Right. Um, so April 14th. Yeah. April 14th. Wow. Yeah. April 14th. Well, well, you know, I mean, the thing about it is, um, much like Nintendo rockstar puts out the game when it's ready, you know, when the game is ready to be released and not before. Um, and, and while you may be a little disappointed, with the fact that the game is, you know, taking so much longer, um, I don't, I don't think you'll be disappointed with the game once it's released. Now, did you have you played it at all? Oh yeah, I, I beat it on the three on the three sixty. Oh okay, okay. So yeah, okay, I mean, so. It's, it was one of my favorite games of last generation, um, and I'm not even that big into GTA, but this was just mm-hmm. done so well, right? Um, especially with like with like switching between like the characters and stuff. Right. So I'm very familiar with the game. Um, I didn't play that much online though. Um, okay. I played some stuff online, but it just didn't mm-hmm. really grab me. Um, so I'm excited to see the, the, uh, the remaster because the videos that I've seen of the console version just look incredible. 
Um, it does. And, you know, the, the the game was so good when I was playing it on 360 that I was able to overlook a lot of the sort of graphical, you know, um, kind of like small mishaps and stuff. Um, but now, like, you know, it just looks like there's none of that. So I'm looking forward to right. it. Right. I mean, it was it's it's a technical marvel on the legacy consoles just because you think about it was the last of us and then GTA five were the last giant triple a kind of showcase tentpole games to be released on, uh, on, on the legacy consoles. And both of them were masterpieces. Both of them were, you know, best games of, of the generation. Yes. Um, you know, and, and, and in so much that you, when you sat back and you looked at them, you say, you know, you, you can't, you can't even comprehend how these games were released on the same hardware that put out games like, yeah. uh, you know, like Perfect Dark Zero. Yeah, and, it's amazing. Yeah. It is amazing. Yeah, so. So um yeah so I'm I'm really excited for Heist um you know we've talked about it before um one of the things that we've also talked about with with this game is you know the the new addition to the remastered versions or they I don't even think it's called remastered it's just called GTA 5 um but the 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 versions that are out on the current gen consoles and the version that will be out on the PC when it finally does release is the first person mode. And one of the things that happens in the first person mode is the ability to, um, you know, create random, random mayhem in, in first person. So mm-hmm. shooting a gun and, and killing, killing, you know, enemy, uh, combatants or just random passers, passers by, um, and, and the, that the visceral feeling mm-hmm. of of what that violence is like, you know, actually running up on somebody and punching them in the face is very, very different in the first person and first person view than it is even in games that are first person, mm-hmm. like, you know, let's say Far Cry or something to that effect. Um, doing it in GTA five feels different, um, which kind of leads us into our next story about uh, violent video games, which is, uh, I think it was a, a story that came out of GDC, or was it? Yeah, so so it's definitely something that I saw a lot of people kind of um, sharing during GDC, but like it was actually published before it. It was like in uh, late uh, in uh, late February, and you know, obviously, violence in the video games is always a discussion that's been had. You know, ever since I guess even before like the ESRB was actually made, um, and it really talks about how games can make commentary on violence the same way that violent movies and violent books can also also make commentary as well. That is, right. that it's not just sort of you know a big power tripping kind of fantasy kind of thing that sure. um, developers and game designers and stuff are trying to make some 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 like higher concept art and like some of that has like sort of the, you know, the layers and the complexity um, of uh, one of these. But so, so, so um, they focus on like hotline Miami, right? Um, right. Which 
the game I don't really like that much. You <laughs> <laughs> you're one of the few. So yeah. it's, it, you know, like I I uh I haven't played it um simply because it's only it was a Vita game first, right? Well, it was a it was an indie game first. Yeah. Yeah. And then it, and then it went to the Vita. Yeah. Yeah. Um which, you know, I don't have, you know, again I famously use Linux. Um, so it wasn't available on, Infamous, on uh, you know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, for what it's worth, yeah, it is, it, it is infamous now, especially if you guys could get a, get a chance to see what recording is like sometimes. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I use Linux and didn't get a chance to uh, play it on, the, on the PC side. Um, and then of course I don't have a Vita, so I didn't get a chance to play it. Um, I know that it's coming to, or it came to the PS3 and I just didn't buy it. Um, and, and I know it's available now in the PS4 and then hotline Miami two is either releasing soon or, or has been released. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure. Of which I'm not sure. I'm not sure either. Um, but what, what, what the point behind like including the game is that, you know, it sort of has this thing where like you go in, you murder all these people and, and then, the way the game levels are designed is that at the end of this game, at the end of the levels, after you kill the last person, you kind of have to walk through this labyrinth of what you've done. You know, right. and there's no enemies, so like you kind of are forced to sort of just reflect on just, you know, this massacre that you did. Um, and And they bring up kind of similar pieces of like commentary on violence. Like I know that like, that like we've talked about a lot here and what Ka, you know, how much more difficult, difficult it is to, you know, do harm to people in GTA five in the first person mode, you know, because, right. because you do right. kind of think twice and like, and like you kind of hesitate a bit. Um, I also experienced that in Bioshock infinite when like, you know, when, when I'm Elizabeth would kind of, scream or make a comment if you did like these sort of like really gory moves you know so Hmm. all these games are violent games but they do have you know a bit of commentary in them that's beyond just the visceral reaction of the killing so yeah i i i I thought it was a very interesting piece it also hit me to this game that i had never heard of called september 12th right um, right which is basically you know that if you if 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 you go for the terrorists, some people are gonna die, you know. So it's kind of like shows these kind of um, kind of impossible like situations where there's no way that you can save everyone, but you kind of have to make right. these like cold calculated like decisions on who's worth more per se. Yeah, um, and that and that's that's really cool. Obviously, September twelfth, uh, a a nod to the day after September eleventh. Yes. Um, you, you basically, I guess, play as the president or the joint chiefs or, um, someone with the ability to exact vengeance, um, for, for, uh, those peoples that you deem responsible for the atrocities of September 11th. And, uh, and yeah, and basically what, what the game shows is that, yeah, irrespective of the choice that you make, it's not one that will make everyone happy. Yep. Um, and and that's that's I mean a brilliant mechanic because it's real. 
Um, and, and that, that part is wonderful. Um, quick sidebar, uh, hotline Miami available for Linux. I need to go ahead and, uh, figure, <laughs> figure all of that stuff out. Hotline Miami two is releasing March 10th today as, uh, as of this recording or not as of this recording, as of this, uh, airing. Um, so <laughs> Yeah, Same. so yeah, so go <laughs> right. So go ahead, go ahead and uh, check that out if you're if you're uh, if you're down with uh, want wanton violence and, and destruction. <laughs> um, also available for Linux. Um, All so, violence and destruction available for Linux. <laughs> available on Linux, exactly. Um, it reminded me when I was reading this article. It reminded me of a movie I just saw, um, The Kingsman. Which um, I don't know if you've seen it yet, Reef. It. Um, it was actually uh, just a qu- quick sidebar. Really, really fun movie. Um, for those of you who haven't seen it, it was utterly ridiculous in all of the best ways. Mm. Um, and there is a there. There are actually there are multiple scenes in in which there is uh, lots of. <laughs> Lots of violence um, and enacted, uh, uh, but there's there's one scene in particular where where something happens and it reminds me directly of of as I was reading the descriptions of Hotline Miami and uh, this this the the writers um, experiences with the game and and with you know with a specific level and then and then once the level is done and just kind of viewing viewing the the carnage that you've that you've wrought um there's a there's a specific scene in the movie that's that is is shot wonderfully it's just it's a really really great scene that it's incredibly memorable um Mm -hmm. and if you've seen kingsman you know exactly what i'm talking about um but but it reminds me exactly of 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 this description of Hotline Miami, and uh, so yeah, go definitely go out and check the Kingsman out if it's still in the theaters. If not, uh, when it comes out on video, um, yeah, definitely it'll definitely be worth your time. Um, okay. But yeah, so so violent video games. It's it's a weird thing because and and they really they they do a good job in the piece of talking about how we celebrate the violence in the games you, you know you're you're kind of rewarded and they and they do talk about GTA 5 in it and and you know going in first person and at first you know that that a lot of people do say that they feel guilty and it's difficult sometimes to mm-hmm. um play the game in first person um but you know the thing that they say and I don't know if I necessarily agree with it um but they say that you know if you're if you're playing the game in first person you you quickly get over the guilt and it's not that it's not that there is guilt it's just that there's a visceral reaction is a mm. the, the reaction to killing someone is a little bit more visceral than than it uh in first person than it is in third person and you get over it quickly because by the time you're done playing the game you've murdered <laughs> you know hundreds and hundreds <laughs> of people um so um and, you know and and from from that perspective they're very very you know is is definitely spot on um mm-hmm. and i think um for, for, for personally for me i only play gta 5 on on the xbox 1 i only play it 
first person driving, third person when I'm not, you know, when I'm outside of the car. Right. Um, so and and part of the reason is because it's it's weird sometimes in first person just kind of going, you know, going crazy the way that you that you do. Yeah. But uh, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, like everything I've seen kind of talks about this empathy you feel and how, you know. Right. Like and I'm always of the opinion is even if you take a half second to think about and you do pick the same action that you would have if it wasn't there, that's still a positive. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, 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 I think back to a discussion that we were having last week about, uh, that Adam was talking about with VR and, and saying that it would become a little bit more difficult for people in VR to do things like you do in, you know, hotline Miami right. or GTA five or hell, even uncharted, you know, I mean, uncharted's a murder simulator. It's, uh, you yes. know, um, for the gold, but, uh, um, but, but uh, I, I, the thing that I think about is, and, and Adam kind of alluded to it. There are certain people where it'll be too much. Where they're just like, no, I can't, I can't do this. I'm, I'm way too immersed in this, mm-hmm. um, to, to kind of do the things that the game wants me to do. So I can't, I can't do this VR stuff. And then there, are, there are other people that will, you know, readily enjoy that, readily mm-hmm. enjoy just going in and murdering people and that kind of stuff. And and those are the people that you need to put on a list. Um, you know, once their gaming experience is over. Um, but then for the rest of us, I wonder how that will work. I wonder if, you know, the first couple of times you kill someone, it'll kind of be like Tomb Raider. Uh, the, the first time Lara kills someone, there's lots of gravity to that. Yes. And then, right. And then after that, you know, I mean, it, it, it's it's a fight for survival, but becomes it becomes a murder simulator itself. Um, you know, and there's there's less less and less gravity put on each individual death after that. You know, each subsequent death um, or murder <laughs> yes. um, that that happens in, in during the course of the game. And I wonder if in a virtual space, if for you know, for for the normal people, if that'll be that'll be the effect on us, you know, the first one will be difficult. And then after that, it's like, oh, you know, I survived. I got over it and I can do it again. And and I wonder how that will change a person fundamentally or if it will change a person fundamentally when they take those goggles off. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know if it's a fundamental change. Um, I see what you're angling toward, though. Well, no, no, I, I, yeah. Sorry, I'm a little speechless right now. Um, but <laughs> no problem. No, no, no. I, I mean, like you, you just kind of really broke down these, <laughs> you know, kind of like what was going on in my in my head there. Um, right. <laughs> and like, I don't want to just like repeat everything, so. 
No, no, no. It's it's quite all right. It's quite all right. I get it. Um, you know, it but it but it is it is definitely uh something that that's that's interesting and I I, I wonder what the rest of Bricago thinks um specifically about um how people will react to VR and VR in games that kind of glorify or emphasize yeah. um mm-hmm. emphasize um, killing and violence um, in 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 that way. Um, what 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 do you think will happen? And and this is this is a, again uh, an exercise in and speculation. So, um, but I but I really want to be able to have that conversation with people. So uh, so yeah. So let us know. Let's move on to the, to the next story, which may be our last story for. Uh, for the episode, it's getting kind of yeah. late, and uh, you want to you want to get out of here. Um, this story is is about uh, video games and the death of the community, um, which which was really interesting. It was, I, I guess, um, it was a something again that came out of GDC, and a lot of great stuff came out of GDC, and you know, a lot of stuff that we haven't even touched on. Um, but I don't want to steal uh, Khalif's thunder um, when the when the cap comes back. Uh, I'm sure he's going to have lots and lots of stuff to talk about. He definitely. Uh, will. So next week, next week, get ready for our GDC breakdown. Um, but uh, Reef, why don't you go into what this story is about, and we kind of we'll kind of touch on some points there. Sure. Um, so I mean, the basics behind it is you know like developers, companies, designers, everybody that you know, contributes toward these, these games, they spend, you know, tons of hours and tons of resources. And, you know, nowadays most places have, you know, like a social media strategy and they'll have forums and all that stuff. And the problem is that the community can be very toxic. Um, And when there is a sort of vocal minority that's really loud and can kind of rally up, you know, troops and stuff, it can really demoralize you if you've spent your life with this game and it comes out and then you just get all this negativity, you know? Right, Um, right. Not saying that people, you know, shouldn't be able to, you know, sort of talk about what they want. I mean, if they don't like it, they don't like it. But I feel like it's done in such a way that's especially um, biting and is usually, you know... um, kind of negativity that's even outside of commentary on that game itself like like right. it's about like you know just personal attacks and like that kind of stuff sure. um so like you know it's like one of those things where it's kind of like you know um i've seen people that well like n- n- not people that i've that I know personally but i've read about you know how like that's really affected people when they go back into making another game after they have like a significantly negative experience with the community that was kind of all about the game and led them through the development and was always posting and like all that stuff. Right. Sure. Um, I mean, uh, you know, I got two words for you. Phil fish. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I am Phil fish. You know, you know, um, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, 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 that is absolutely fine. Um, 
And I think that it comes up a lot, especially now um, when you're dealing with things that usually have day one patches and things where there's a lot of patches. Um, I can tell you that the uh, forums for Destiny um, are usually just horrible um, (laughs) because, you know, like they're actually one of the more open companies I've seen that openly has these posts about the development process and sure how things are going but you know people just you know want to just jump down these developers throats um, and it's really it just seems kind of really difficult to expect the level of quality and riskiness that we want out of the people that are making these games if they get torn down with the smallest or slightest update to something that might piss like one person off you know so <laughs> it's it, yeah go ahead yeah so like uh no like i just wanted to kind of turn it over to you in terms of like oh, okay. your thoughts on the on the community aspect of gaming right right now yeah so you know and and we've we've kind of talked about it uh, uh in in different in different ways over the last few weeks um, one of the things that really kind of bothers me about the community, um, gaming community at large, and this again is our generalizations, is that um, th- that the 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 comments, the feelings, the feedback is very binary. Hmm. Either either something is the greatest thing ever. Or it's the worst piece of shit that never should have been developed, yep. and the, and there's very little nuance, and you know, or, or nuance comes, but it's it's so few and far between that it's almost non-existent, um, and you know, one of the things that is a tenant again of of spawn on me and a tenant of Bracago is 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 nuance, um, that we you know that we do sit back and say, okay, well. You know, this game is great, but it's not worth 40 bucks, right. <laughs> you, yeah. you know. Um, so it's it's one of those things that I really that really kind of disgusts me. And, and, you know, we talked about it before with uh, when we when we talked about um, Peter Molyneux mm-hmm. and and, you know, yes, Peter Molyneux comes out and he over promises. But because he over promises doesn't mean that he's a pathological liar, per se. Right. Um, nor should you, right, when you're sitting down and talking with him, have that be the first thing that you say to him. Um, because when you, when you do things like that, it makes a person like Peter Molyneux decide that maybe I'm not going to talk to people or maybe I'm not going to dream big when I'm designing my next game. Um, so, you know, what we wind up with are boring fucking games. You know, it's the same games that we know have worked in the past. Um, you know, maybe you shouldn't. Yes, Phil Fish is a mercurial guy and he is he is kind of very, you know, he is very ornery. Um, but maybe we shouldn't have given him so much shit so we could have gotten a, a sequel to a brilliant game like Fez, um, you know, and, and, and it, it reminds it. It you know makes me think of there are a couple of stories that uh, that I heard today um, as we're recording. Um, one, it, 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 and it and they basically 
have explained to me and, you know, and I realize that I'm old, even in, you know, even in the gaming space where, you know, the gaming is, is, is something that helps keep me young. But I've, I've realized that I'm old because I've, you know, I've just kind of discovered uh, via these stories that trolling is a pastime. Unfortunately, that 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 people believe, you know, if you're the troller, you believe is is harmless. Um, and and you, you, you think that because you're doing it in a digital space that it doesn't affect people in the real world, which is absolutely, you know, I mean, is absolutely asinine. But um, but, you know, it, 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 right. But but right. And it's right. There's there's psychology behind that. That just doesn't make any sense. And, you know, the first story is about Kurt Schilling, uh, former baseball player, I guess. Um, maybe Hall of Fame. I think he's he was up for the Hall or something. Who cares? Anyway, he played for the Red Sox. <laughs> Fuck him. And he, you and run down the Yankees. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, he beat the Yankees twice. Uh, so screw him. Um, but uh, but he tweeted out a congratulations for his daughter who uh, was just, I guess, awarded a scholarship or uh, you know she she became she was named a pitcher on her university team. Mm-hmm. And he was congratulating her on, on Twitter and the trolls came out and they were, you know, just just, I mean, completely out of pocket responses to this tweet. And uh, so <laughs> Kurt Schilling did what any good dad would do, um, especially one that has has famously developed games. He doxed them. So, just so amazing he, to me. Yeah. Yeah. Like so he, he got he got his the, website. It's yeah. Crazy. He he got he got the information about the guys who said the worst things. Um found out who they were, found out where they worked, found out what they did. Um and then he told on them. And uh one guy was a ticket taker at the Yankees. He like I said was cuz he no longer is. Mm-hmm. A few other guys were uh, players on their respective college sports teams. Uh, they no longer are. Uh, and they they quickly came back and apologized. You know, they started copping pleas to uh, to Kurt. And, you know, really, you know, they were, you know these heartfelt apologies um, for, for doing things. And, 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 you know, Kurt Schilling told him to go somewhere with it because, you know, and basically he said, look, if there were, these were genuine mistakes, you would have seen them and realized your mistake and then apologized and take and taken them down. That's not what you did. What you did was you left them up there until I found a way to find out who you were. And then once your livelihoods or, you know, the things that you enjoyed were taken away from you, then you wanted to say you're sorry because you got caught. That is um, what it is. Right. And and then the worst part of it was that these people's friend, the trolls friends came back at Kurt and said, Hey, Kurt, lighten up. They were just trolling. They didn't really mean it. No reason for you to go ahead and ruin their lives <laughs> by, by getting them in trouble in the real world um, for doing these terrible things. It was just trolling. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and he said poignantly enough that, you know what you guys don't seem to realize first off people for you to sit back and say that it doesn't doesn't affect people in the real world is crazy um you know you 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 get to you there are countless stories of people that have been cyber bullied 
into suicide. Yeah, there's been um, a lot you know of have those. committed suicide as right committed suicide as a result of of cyberbullying, um, and the you know if if that wasn't enough, secondly, you need to remember that this is the internet, and the stuff you put up there is up there forever. Yep. And will follow you forever. So, you know, you need to be cognizant. You need to think about the things that you say and what you do and how you do it before you do it. Because, you know, it's 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 terrible stuff. Um, The other story uh, posted by uh, Cypher of Tear, Tanya DePaz, uh, hashtag I needed diverse games was. Yeah, shout out, shout out to to Tanya. Um, was about this guy who uh, was trolling a guy who turned out to be a sheriff down in Mississippi or Alabama or something like that, and they were playing on the three sixty, and the guy got pissed off at this kid, and the kid wound up posting the video like the the audio and video of the interaction that the guy and him had on the 360 in the party chat um, where and he and his preface his prelude to all of it was this was just uh, you know I've I blocked out all this guy's personal information because I don't want him to get in any trouble we were just playing around it was just uh, us trolling you know so we were just playing at trolling and, you know, I don't want to get him into trouble. And I was just letting I let him know after the fact that we were just trolling. Like, wait a minute. What the <laughs> fuck? Like, why these people after well, you know, right. Why, when did, when did trolling become some kind of metagame <laughs> when you're playing when you're playing video games? Like, I mean, this is yeah, this isn't performance art. You know, this isn't like trolling is not some kind of performance art where you're just out in the wild. And you just start doing things and think that, you know, it's okay and people aren't going to be affected by it. Um, You know, as it is, uh, you know, the guy said some inappropriate things. And and the the article that I read about it really kind of posted um, and and painted the 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 cop in a in a bad light. And he definitely said some, you know, some uh, not right things. He, He definitely said some inappropriate things. But. I mean, the fact is he was goaded. He was more than goaded into it. And, and, and the person who was goading him into it admitted as much. Mm -hmm. Um, but he's, you know, there's a, there's a very good chance that he is going to, at the very least receive some type of administrative, uh, punishment as a result of his actions, um, on, you know, playing video games because kids think, or people think, because they're on the internet, um, it's okay to just be an asshole in in an abusive way. Um, mm-hmm. So my question to you, Reef, is what do we do? Um, and you know, kind of to get back to this article, mm-hmm. what what kind of solutions do you think we have in terms of you know to to try and curtail this? That's the million dollar question, <laughs> isn't it? Though you know. Um, I uh, curtail. I don't know. Like, so the situation is here, right? So, but I, I think the thing is, there. I don't want to say there's not much we can do at this moment, because right. <laughs> and stump the Jackson. Yeah, it, I'm, I'm kind of hurting right now. <laughs> 
Reef is hurting. Reef's hurting. Um, I you know I I would say, right? <laughs> I I would say that uh, that uh, one of the things that we need to do is kind of you know one of the things that I that I've said all along is that we've all got to kind of stand up to bullies and 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 yes. you know the the thing that you that you kind of alluded to before was that there is this vocal minority that comes out and and has lots of negative things to say and 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 even these people that that think that trolling is a is a fun pastime are the minority and and what happens is that this silent majority needs to become less a little less silent um to to kind of shout that kind of stuff down and and um you know let them know that that you know what they're doing is not okay um, swatting is not okay. Trolling is not okay. Rape threats are not okay. Um, these are not jokes. Yeah. These are these these are not things that you're doing in a vacuum that aren't affecting people negatively. They are you know they they have clear and defined negative repercussions for the victims. Um, so yeah, you know, you got it. You got to cut that shit out. Yeah. It's, it's just weird. The, see, the, 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 the thing is, I want to say, yes, I agree 100%, but I really think that this, the vocal minority is not persuaded by the majority not being silent. Like, like, sure. like they kind of have this weird internal perverse motivation, um, that I think specifically when it comes to like, you know, being, part of a a community it's kind of part of a sense of control it's a sense of like i paid so and so for this game i should be able to to dictate the terms of enjoyment um like i honestly think that you know most of that commentary will be the same if the majority are saying that it's stupid or not um sure which is kind of a screwed up way to think about it but i don't know i honestly do think that um and I think a lot of it, um, I don't think it would hurt for for companies to get a lot more serious with their community moderation. Um, now, mm-hmm. now I know that most places have like, you know, social media managers or community managers, but right. I think they really need to step that up and start getting rid of this vocal minority from their, you know, kind of company controlled forums and that kind of stuff. Right. Um, now I think they're a little, uh, hesitant to do that because they know that these are usually some of their hardcore people that will buy and evangel and, you know, spread the word on their stuff. Um, but I, I don't know. I think, I think just becoming more serious on getting rid of people that sort of contribute to a poisonous environment is not a bad thing, even though it's hard to kind of see the return on that. Um, which I think, you know, a lot of people think about it this way within companies. It's like, you know, what is the return on me getting rid of custom, you know, potential customer agency? Um, But I think sometimes you you just got to do what's right. (laughs) And, and like, you have to sort of not go straight by the books and stuff. And I don't know. I, I think that, you know, that social media kind of moderation and that, community like that sort of more seriousness on that would pay huge dividends for these companies 
and and you know what i i think uh i, I it's it's this is not a a conversation that uh, you and i are going to be able to solve right here uh, I thought even, we solved even it. though right well you know i mean we we are two brilliant brilliant <laughs> men um you know genius level um but the the wonderful thing about Bricago is we you, you yourself and myself are not unique. We've got uh, thousands, maybe thousands of <laughs> tens of, thousands. of right of uniquely um, uh, all you know also equally intelligent re- residents of Bricago, and we want to hear from you guys. We want to hear uh, what your thoughts are on on this topic and you know how we uh thwart the thwart the trolls and and you know and kind of either pen them and put them in a new community kind of like this uh article alluded to or you know what what the solution is you know how do we make um communicating on the internet a a much more reasonable and rational place but you know so we'll leave you with that and uh we'll leave will basically leave you with Bricago um, for this episode. This has been episode 52 of the Spawn on Me podcast. Um, and uh, now it's time, I guess, for the social media business. Normally, Ka would say, see, it's time for the social media <laughs> business, and I would run it down. Um, but uh, I'm going to throw a little curveball. No. To to Sharif oh Jackson, God. not not to not to run down our social media business. I'll still take care of that because um, I know you kind of you know you kind of doze off while I'm rattling off the two minutes worth of crap. Um, but but people on the internet have never heard of you before, even if they've listened to us uh, many many times. You are the minister of no finance. Where can people find you? Um, plug away sir sure so the main place you can find me is at sharifjackson.com so that's s-h-a-r-e-e-f jackson.com that's my website that'll have links to um, all of my social media profiles which are all under sharif jackson so that's twitter facebook um, you know, LinkedIn, Pinterest, whatever, all that stuff. Right. Um, and, and that's also where I host my two main blogs, which are science looks good. Um, and gaming looks good, which you can also access through science looks good.com and game looks good.com.com. Um, so like that's my science and video game, um, blogs as well. Um, the video game blog is actually a, a YouTube series, which is also on YouTube under Sharif Jackson, um, where we look at games from the lens of diversity. Um, so you can check that out. Right. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, that's basically just SharifJackson.com for all your latest, all your latest Sharif news. Um, and, and, and also there's one brand that I keep a little separate and that's Operation Cubicle. Um, which is a podcast that I co-host with with J.P. Fairfield, um, where we talk about a topic from the corporate and the geeky side every week. Um, so you can check that out at operationcubicle.net. Yeah, releases on Tuesday. While you're downloading uh, Spawn on Me, you should be downloading Operation Cubicle. Yes. Um, so, uh, yeah. Uh, what's Do you know what the topic is going to be for uh, the next OpCube? 
Well, we haven't decided on that yet. Oh, okay. Oh, I thought but maybe the, we'd get an exclusive. But the uh, last one was on clocks. Well, it was on clocks. It definitely was. Time. Um, yes. Uh, you know, you got to get that data bank, son. You need that Casio <laughs> data bank. Um, <laughs> my uh, social media business for the Spawn on Me podcast is as follows. Thanks a lot for leading me in, Ka. Our, our great captain <laughs> <laughs> is uh, Kajakins on Twitter. Uh, that's Khalif Adams. I am the fumbler of words, Cicero Holmes. I am at Stubby Stan. The show is at Spawn on Me. The site is at Spawn Point Blog. Um, also, our network is at ESN FM. Uh, remember to like our Facebook pages, the Spawn Point Gaming Blog and Spawn on Me Podcast. Uh, and then find the show every Tuesday on iTunes and SoundCloud and Stitcher and Player FM and, you know, any of your favorite podcast aggregators. Uh, make sure you like and subscribe and follow or whatever it is that you do. You have to do on those. Um, make sure also to rate and review and to share the show with everyone. Um, again, welcome to our new listeners. Um, cause we're getting a lot of those and we're really happy about that. Um, welcome to Bricago. Um, also emailing the show is feedback at the And if you go to the make sure you want to send us a message via SpeakPipe. hit the little tab on the side or go to speakpipe.com slash spawn on me. I think that is all of the things, uh, Kyle, we thing. miss you. Um, we yeah. we miss you, man. And, yeah. Uh, hope hopefully there'll be a lot of like new listeners though coming out from GDC. Yeah, yeah. He actually ran into a listener, someone who uh, who listened to the show while he was at GDC. So that was awesome. Oh, terrific. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, so uh, again, this has been episode fifty-two of the Spawn on Me podcast. Um, we love you guys a lot. And uh, we say peace. Peace.